Welcome to Detour to Neverland, where you are the author of your own Disney story. There's a lot of satisfaction in developing ideas into realities. And you can find magic in your everyday life. If you do what you really want to do, you feel like you're playing. How can you write your first chapter today? Dreams are how we figure out where we want to go. Life is how we get there. I'm headed this way. We're your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 273. Thank you so much for joining us. Today we're going to be breaking down and sharing some of our thoughts on The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which just wrapped up this past Friday on Disney+. Plus. We were enthralled with it. We watched every single episode on release day. We really enjoyed it. We've done this for the past couple of weeks. We did this for WandaVision, and then we did some kind of reviews during the middle of the season. So now we got to talk about this season and the finale as a whole. We normally do these on Marvel Mondays. It is a Thursday, though, so we're a little bit out of sync. But we wanted to give you guys some time and ourselves some time to process this season and to wrap our minds around it so we can not have something so fresh, maybe something that we can construct on a little bit more. There was a lot to process, I feel like, especially with that finale episode. We made some predictions, turns out, uh, to no one's surprise, all of mine were way incorrect, not true at all. And that did take some time to process because I thought I could predict this one a little easier than I could WandaVision, and they just went and messed everything up. Yeah, but on the other hand, I feel like everything that happened, we at least mentioned it once or twice. Like, we mentioned it as a possibility, it just wasn't our final answer. So we were on the right track, maybe we're just... We were led astray. Correct. So the way we're going to break this down is we've both listed three things that we loved about this series, and three things that we wish maybe would have been done differently, or maybe things that didn't happen, whatever it might be. We're going to start with the love side. And then at the very end, we're just going to talk about what we think will happen next for the MCU and for these characters in particular. So, Catherine, why don't you kick us off? Tell us what is the one thing that you loved about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier? All right. So because we have a list of three, I'm going backwards. So this is my third most loved thing. Um, And it's actually Sarah's character. I'm glad that they... Gave us some more background on Sam through Sarah, if that makes sense. I feel like going into this, I didn't know much about Sam, even though, you know, we watched now the movies that he was part of. I still feel like there was part of me who, at the time when the series started, I didn't quite understand why he would have made the better pick. You know, it just wasn't there for me. But I think. In learning about Sarah and his relationship with her, and then just being able to see, you know, her personality, I feel like it gave me better insight. And I think through learning about them, you also learned about their parents and their upbringing and how they're both, you know, incredibly hardworking and loyal and, you know, would do anything for their family. So I would agree. I think learning more about Sarah was a super pivotal and and, and and a great addition to this show. And part of me thought at first that, you know, the whole side plot of the boat and restoring the boat and figuring that out. At first, I didn't quite see the point. 
But then as it continued on throughout the series, I did start to understand that the boat represented, it was kind of a parallel to everything that Sam was going through with the Captain America side too. But it was a little easier to grasp, you know, all of the different hardships that they had faced with the boat, like truly how much it meant to him when it came down to it. And then when Bucky came in at the end to help out, just like he did, obviously, in the thick of everything else that was they were going on with, you know, I just think it made a lot of sense. How great was that montage of Bucky helping him on the boat and using his arm to just like rip things up and to help things? Oh, I mean, that was Sam. the best. And it added some like humor to it, too. Like, obviously... It was significant to them and it meant a lot to them to be fixing up this boat and have everybody's help. But it was also kind of funny just that Bucky could just come along and do everything that it would take them like weeks to do in like a day. How much I said it when we were watching the show. I wish they would have played more on Bucky flirting with Sarah. We got a few good nods to it. And I do feel like if they continue the series which we're kind of hoping will happen, or if we get something else out of it, we'll get to see more of that. At least some back and forth banter, hopefully more. Okay. I don't know if Bucky seems like the stepdad type. I don't know if he's the settle down type. I think he is. You think so? Yeah. I mean, I guess he's old school. I feel like Bucky wants to just like move to a farm and not deal with anything for the rest of his life, but or move to a boat in this case could be okay. So I can piggyback off that. The first thing that I had listed was Sam's story arc. I just think that the way that they went about showing Sam and showing how he was dealing with something that Bucky and Steve never could have grasped. And that's what, you know, being a black man in America and being a black superhero in America you know, it was something that he had to go into. There was no path paved for him beforehand. And I just think that the way that they were able to go about it was very impactful and just a very human and honest way of going about it. But I think, like you said, kind of learning more about his backstory and learning where he came from. And I think you can also draw a lot of this from his time that you that we see him in The Winter Soldier as well, of that... He likes, you know, helping soldiers deal with trauma and he likes trying to be the man to help people along the way. And you see that in his relationship with Bucky, but you also see that with him dealing with his own problems along the way. So I thought it was really great. I I made a kind of connection and you might think I'm weird for saying this, but I think the way that this show tackled such an important topic such as race, I thought was just as impactful as the way that I left watching Shit's Creek of how they dealt with the sexuality issues and, you know, what it meant to be gay in a modern day world. I felt like both of them were just done in such an impactful way. Do you see it? Oh, I don't think that's weird at all. I mean, it, we are completely obsessed with Shit's Creek. We've changed everyone into believers who we've talked to, my parents, sister, that's besides the point. But I do think, I mean, that was the deeper message there. And Dan Levy, who wrote 
the script and everything for Schitt's Creek was, was very clear about that, you know, that that was something that he wanted to portray. Just like, I feel like it is very clear when watching Falcon and the winter soldier, that race is something that they were trying to discuss. I love how, you know, if you read the pundits or the fans or all these people along the way that were talking, it was kind of split down the middle up until, you know, episode four, five, or so of, no, you're just making a big deal of it. It's not really that big of a deal. Whereas other people saying like, did you see John Walker walk out? And like, he's got all these people parading for him and it's so symbolic. And, you know, this is a show that is dealing with race. And I just love how finally at the end, they were basically punching you in the face. Like you have to get this. So now like, here's your sign. Correct. And I just think they did it in one of the most beautiful and impactful ways that you could have imagined. So I think just learning more about Sam and now I think we have such an appreciation for him going forward. I was kind of like you, like we knew more about Bucky coming into this series. So we, we both kind of leaned like, Hey, Bucky would be really cool to take over the shield. I feel like this series did such a solid job of solidifying This is Sam's. It cannot be anybody else besides Sam. And that's how it is going forward. And we understand why it can't be Bucky and why Sam is worthy going forward. Well, and, you know, in just thinking about Steve and, you know, they highlighted a lot on the super serum and everything about how it just amplified who, like the man who already was there, you know, and even though Sam doesn't have the super serum, it's kind of the same thing. Like he has the suit now he's captain America now, and it's just amplifying all of his good qualities. Like you said, that would make him worthy. When I think it goes back and it, sh- it even further demonstrates a couple of things about Steve as well, is that the reason, Oh, am I stealing one of your future points? Well, that's my second point. So, I mean, we can talk about it now, but this is my point two. Just to throw it out there. Go ahead. Well, I mean, what I really loved about this is that we are learning more about Cap and we're learning more about his relationship with both Sam and Bucky. And the big one that I came back to was one that we talked about. And I think the last episode where Bucky was explaining to Sam, you know, oh, well, when we had this conversation We never anticipated this. We just thought, you know, you were the best for the job. That's all we saw. And that's what, you know, Steve believed. And like, to me, I just thought that was super cool. I mean, I just think it's interesting, even though Steve is not in the series, like maybe he was supposed to be, according to you. We'll get to that later. You know, we're still, we still get hints of him and it's very clear that he's still on their minds. I think I completely agree with that point. And where I was kind of going with that as well is that the same qualities that you see in Sam that make him worthy of being Captain America were the same things that they saw in Steve when he was scrawny and, you know, had no shot at even joining the army or joining the military to do anything. It was his compassion. It was his dedication. It was... His hard work, his willingness to always get back up. And I think this series just further even demonstrated that, that 
it wasn't the super serum that made Steve who he was and made him such a great superhero. It was his personality and his determination and those great qualities that all play into it. And Sam possesses a lot of those and different ones that maybe Steve didn't possess. Like, who knows how Steve would have handled dealing with Carly? Would he have been as, you know, compassionate or empathetic as Steve was able to, or as Sam was able to? Sorry, two S names really <laughs> throws me off. Or is that something that Sam possesses because of his past of working with soldiers trying to re-enter uh, citizenship? I think it's, I think it's an interesting dynamic, and and I think you're right. This series taught us even more about Steve, just as much as Sam and Bucky. So what's your second point? My second point of something that I loved in this series were two actors. One, Wyatt Russell, who played John Walker, and Daniel Bruhl. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's B-R-U with the two dots over it as a German name, H-L. So I think that makes the U a long U. Who did he play? Baron Zemo. Oh, well, of course. I should have known. I just think both of them played their roles as well as anybody could have asked them to. I think it's interesting. Like, Zemo was completely different than how we left him at the end of Civil War. He still has some of those same tendencies. And I think maybe that very end credit scene maybe shows that he was playing them the entire time, which that's just how Zemo operates. Like, He's always thinking ahead of people. I mean, he's a genius. That's what made him a good villain dating back to Civil War and dating back to Winter Soldier. So I really liked how both of them played it. And Wyatt Russell, I mean, could he have made you hate his character anymore if he tried? Oh, absolutely not. I think he just did it so well. And, you know, the toxic part of the Marvel fan base was you know, all on him at the very beginning of this because people take it too seriously and sending him mean stuff and attacking his appearance and everything. And I saw he said, look, if you hate my character, like that means that I did a good job. And he absolutely knocked it out of the park. So I am so excited, A, to see Daniel Brühl back to reprise as Zemo going forward and to see Wyatt Russell play a much larger role assumingly in the next Captain America movie. Because he got a new title. He's now the... U.S. agent. U.S. agent. Yes. I always forget. I mean, I can't argue with that. Those are good points. I think specifically Wyatt Russell, I don't want to agree with you because I do like hate his guts, but not him personally, which you do have to kind of separate because when you think, you know, Steve Rogers... Captain America, you know, you think Chris Evans and he's so great and he's great too. So I don't know if there's just like that part of it where you're like, oh, maybe this guy's a terrible person. And clearly he's not. But you know what I mean? Like the parallels. So what's your third one? So my top loved thing was Bucky. I loved everything about his character development. So you talked about Sam's arc. I feel like Bucky's was stronger. Really? I do. I think having the book, um, his therapy sessions at the beginning, 
I felt like were very telling, specifically the one where they made him do the therapy session with Sam. And he kind of exploded and said, you know, if he was wrong about you, then he must be wrong about me. Like, I feel like that really struck a chord. You know, not only did he put that much emphasis on what Steve thought of him, but he was starting to believe it too. Like he was truly in like a self-doubt kind of place. Like he just thought he was going to be stuck in this terrible place forever. He was kind of in a rut. He thought he was doing the right thing, but it wasn't until Sam, you know, kind of gave him a reality check. Like you have to truly put in the work that he was able to, I guess, start making some real progress with himself you know, but I loved seeing kind of his transition and him being able to let go of the Winter Soldier in a way, like truly believing that it didn't hold him back anymore. And I liked the flashback of seeing him in Wakanda, you know, and how he was kind of able to break free from, I mean, the password, what would you call that? Keywords, code words whatever it is that would turn him into the winter soldier. Um, so I just like all, I liked all of it. It's interesting. I, I've, I mean, I guess more than anything, I'm just interested that you thought it was stronger than Sam's. I disagree, but I understand where you're coming from, but I, I do think it's, I think honestly, for me, it would have put the cherry on top. If at the very end, he would have become the white wolf again. And like the final title scene would have said, Captain America and the White Wolf. I just feel like that would have maybe required more of an explanation. Because see, I think why I appreciated Bucky's character development more was because I went into watching the Winter Soldier, like the movie, thinking that I was going to get all of those answers. And I watched the movie, and it was a fine movie, but I still left feeling like, okay, no, who is Bucky? Like, I still don't know anything about him. Well, Civil War will explain a lot of that, which you've seen but before. I've seen Civil War, and I feel like I still had a lot of questions, and I feel like the series answered a lot of questions. I would agree with that. I mean, I think him going back and having that conversation with Mr. Nagasaki was one of the most powerful scenes in the entire show. You were crying. I watched you. Oh, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, yeah, I'm a softie. You can't, I feel like you can't not at least feel something watching Do you have that. a problem with the end title being Captain America and the Winter Soldier when we've already had a movie by that title? It's odd. I'll give you that. It's odd. And again, I mean, it does kind of beg the question. They changed Sam's name, obviously, from Falcon to Captain America because he's assuming that new role, which is what the whole series was about. But why, yeah, why didn't they do the same for Bucky? Why didn't they let him completely leave that behind? I mean, there must be a reason. There's got to be something. So if you guys are not already aware, it has been announced now they are working on writing a Captain America 4. So that is in the works featuring Sam and Bucky, presumably Sharon as well. At the For the time being, I believe it looks like that is the next project and not necessarily a season two of this series. Who knows how that will change, though? But I don't know. Do you think it'll just be a continuation of this story? And do you think maybe that's when they address that Bucky is shedding 
the Winter Soldier title? I mean, I definitely think it's going to be a continuation. I feel like with the very end, the way that they set Sharon up with, you know, calling whoever was on the other end of that phone and kind of setting things into motion, like, okay, now we have an in. I'm the in. I'm I'm more powerful now than I was just as a power broker kind of thing. I feel like the next movie or series, whatever it ends up turning to be, I feel like it has to be a continuation of this. Because this kind of laid the foundation, just like I feel like WandaVision and learning more about Wanda and how she's now the Scarlet Witch is setting the foundation for her next role. And I feel like that was very intentional. So the last thing that I loved in this series was all of the episodes and all the scenes that took place in Madripoor. I thought the cinematography and the colors and just the entire vibe when they were in that city was amazing. Now, I think it was only like one episode, really. But if I had to go back and just watch one episode, it would be when they go to Madripoor, which I think was episode two or three. It was pretty early. But I really want to see more of that city. And maybe we will if we now know more about Sharon. If someday, who knows, maybe if, when, possibility that we get X-Men... Maybe we'll go back to Madripoor at that point. We'll see Mystique or we'll see Wolverine or anybody else in that city. But I I just like that more. It seems like so much of the Captain America movies take place in D.C. or New York. And obviously episode six well, took America, place in New York. Brendan. I know. America. But I just like it when they take these characters who are traditionally, you know, D.C. and New York. Maybe they go to L.A. every once in a while. And drop them into a completely foreign place that we get to explore. I think so. I really enjoyed that. I didn't go in order of things that I loved. If I if it was order, Sam's story would be number one for me. Fair enough. So are you ready to move on to things that you wish were different? Yes. So initially you said things that you hate. And I will say for my first one, again, because I'm counting backwards, this isn't something that I hate. But it is definitely something that I would have changed, although no one asked for my opinion. Um, but I don't like Sam's new Captain America suit. Oh, my goodness. I think that he should have fully uh, what's the word, embraced being Captain America. And I don't know why he still has Falcon wings. I don't know if it's just... Because he's not a super soldier. He needs something to give him a leg up. Okay, well, I understand he's not a super soldier, but he has a shield made of vibranium. And, I mean, that's got to do some damage. I don't, I mean, maybe it's silly. I told you. Nobody asked for my opinion. I didn't know you felt this way. This has been a very divisive topic online, and I didn't, I thought we were on the same side, but we're not on the same side, apparently. So you like it. I do like it. Now, the ear flaps are a little weird. I will give you that. It's not even all of that. Like, the color is fine. Like, white is definitely different, but I feel like you do need to distinguish between, you know, Steve's Captain America look and Sam's Captain America look, and I can support that. It's obviously still red, white, and blue, so that was a must. But I just, I wish that he would have let the wings go, and kind of like we predicted, someone else would have been able to take that up. And I feel like now, he can probably, obviously other people could still have wings, but 
I don't know. It's like, are you Falcon? Are you Captain America? Do you have an identity crisis? Who are you trying to be? He said he was Captain America. I know. But I feel like without losing the wings, it's a little, it's a little weird. Hmm. I don't know if weird's the right word, but it's conflicting. I see. I want to see a scene of him and Torres flying around. They both have wings. I think that'd be cool. Meh. I think he needs to stay on the ground like Captain America. Okay. Good to know. My thing that I wish was different were the sub-villains. So I'm saying that John Walker was the main villain. So I'm saying the sub-villains were Sharon and Carly and the Flag Flag Smashers. I just feel like I don't understand them at all. Let's start with the Flag Smashers. I really feel like it was the most underdeveloped villain that we've ever had in the MCU. Maybe it's been the worst, I think, dating back to the elves from the Thor Dark World. Like, those guys, they were terrible. And I feel like the Flag Smashers were very similar as the, like, I kept thinking, like, what like what do they want? Like, what exactly do they want? And you finally got a little bit more out of it by Sam's in speech. Mm-hmm. But, but why did Sam have to tell us? Yeah. Yeah. Now, you're going to hear from Marvel about questions about this, of how, oh, this isn't how we actually wanted it, and COVID messed it up. But I simply can't accept that as an excuse at this point. Like, you could have delayed the shows even longer if you really wanted to tell the right story of what you wanted. I mean, we would have hated it at the time, but if you give us a better story in the Flag Smashers, I think it just makes the series that much better. Now, I still think the series was fantastic, but years from now, I will never think about the Flag Smashers ever again. No. Yeah, we we didn't have this conversation that you could have completely eliminated them, just wiped them off and truly like what were we what would we miss you know i find it interesting that you said that john walker was the main villain though because i would have flipped it i would have said that the flag smashers and carly specifically were like the main villain and then john walker was secondary i guess i'm just more looking at it as who's going to be around longer i don't think we're ever going to hear anything from the flag smashers again well, they're all dead, Brendan. Well, no, not necessarily. There was, I mean, it was a movement. So there's other people out there who are part of the movement who could, in theory, keep it going. I just don't think they'll ever bring them back Fair. to do anything. Sharon, we all knew she was bad. From the very first moment she showed up, we knew she was bad. She was sketchy. She took weird phone calls. She talked to people that we didn't know who she was talking to. She had all the signs on the wall. And how? what's the one clue that you said that you knew that she was a villain? Oh, so apparently there's something out there that Apple will not let villains use iPhones on screen. And so almost everybody there had iPhones and she had like a Samsung. Bum, but, bum, bum. but I don't even know if that's true because Carly had an iPhone. So I don't know if that's holds up or if it holds water. Hmm. But anyway, the reveal of Sharon being the power broker was probably the most underwhelming scene ever. 
It yeah. was so bad. It was written so poorly. I mean, I told Brendan, if you would have sneezed or if one of our dogs would have barked, like if you would have taken like a drink of water, you know, you would have missed that reveal. And I don't know if it was just because they were trying to make it seem just pretty casual, you know, but it was like, it was weak. It was painful to watch. I feel like. I do think though. So this was one of my points too. This was actually my number one point was Carly and the flag smashers. I did not care for them at all. I thought specifically if we're talking about Carly, I thought that she was a very weak leader in the fact of every decision that she made, all the things that she did, all of her reactions were exactly that of like a confused, scared, misguided teenage girl who was looking for something and maybe her heart was in the right place, kind of like what Sam pointed out, but she obviously went about it in all the wrong ways. And every one of her reactions to me was just kind of cringy. It's just like, oh my gosh, are you serious? Like this girl is not thinking anything through. She doesn't know what she's doing. And I don't see how she could be a leader of any worldwide movement. And why did she never follow through on her threats to Sarah and the kids? Like they she just dropped was a teenage in. girl. She didn't have it in her. She, I mean, she kind of even said, oh, I, I didn't mean anything by it. I just wanted you to know I was serious or something like, okay, what is this is cyberbullying now. This is how you're going to get to him through weird phone calls. Yeah, they were both really poor. I'm hoping that as we learn more about Sharon and what turned her, then we will have a deeper appreciation for this series. Hopefully it's one of those things that they're just planting the seed and it really comes to fruition later on. Well, and that's what I was going to say. So if I had to change who like the villain was, I would have just outright made it Sharon. And maybe they were showing that in that scene where she, where Sharon was saying like, Oh, you can come work for me again. Like maybe it was Sharon who planted this seed because maybe she felt like she had been done wrong. So she, you know, influenced these kids. They took the serum and then misused it and thought they had too much power. I mean, I don't know, but I do think if they would have just built it from like the top down and Sharon did have some sort of control over them, even at one point in time, it would have made for a stronger plot line. You know, if it was, if it was Sharon pulling the strings the whole time, or, you know, someone with more authority. I'm going to go ahead and plant this seed now. And I don't know when or if it will be possible. Hopefully in this next movie that they're writing. But when Sharon gets found out, and they find out that she's a double agent, and she has ulterior motives, there's only there's two people who are appropriate to come jerk a knot in her. One is Peggy, and one is Steve. I feel but like are it they has to happen. We don't know. We don't. Well, Peggy is not, but Steve should be. So he's just in hiding somewhere. I think he's just. He's not in hiding. He's just living his life. But didn't Peggy pass away? In one of those movies. Yeah. Well, because and I he thought... visited her like on her deathbed. 
And I thought that that first show, the first episode of this whole series, when it was like R.I.P. What was it? R.I.P. Steve. R.I.P. Something. That's not actually what it was titled. That's what we thought it was going to be titled. Oh, it did seem very funeral like, though. At the Smithsonian? Kind of. No. Like a memorial, like in honor of, obviously not like a funeral. He's not dead. You said that pretty confidently. He's not dead. Okay. I can go ahead and tell you, he's not dead. Okay. He's coming back in some capacity. I'll I think it when for, I see even it. just for three minutes, he's coming back. And it better be to say, listen here, niece, you're messing everything up. And that's how it should be. Or we get a flashback and and maybe we see Sharon interact with Peggy, but who knows? That'd be interesting. I don't think that would happen. So my second point of things that I wanted to be different, I feel like the tribute to Isaiah with the statue in the Smithsonian was really weak. And I just felt like, yeah, sure, there's probably nothing you can do to make it up for how Isaiah had to live the rest of his life and how he had to spend so many years in prison. There's nothing that Sam could have done. However, I think there's one thing that could have come very close, and I'm bringing it right back into what I just talked about. Sam should have introduced Steve to Isaiah and allowed Isaiah to understand what the shield and what Captain America actually stood for. Because obviously Isaiah had a very you know, negative outlook because of how he was treated by the U.S. government and how he was treated by the program that they were put through. And if he actually got to talk to Steve, I think he would have not been at peace with everything, but he at least would have understood what the Captain America program was all about. I'm kind of racking my brain because I don't think I expected you to say this because I actually enjoyed that scene I think it did bring Isaiah a form of closure because what I gathered from some of their conversations were, you know, they made him disappear. They acted like he never existed. They didn't acknowledge the good things that he did. They didn't even acknowledge that he was a super soldier. You know, instead, it felt like, you know, they treated him like some kind of lab rat or a lab experiment, you know, for his whole life. You know, they didn't allow him to communicate with his wife. And then eventually, you know, the only reason that he was out and about is because they basically erased him from everything. You know, he's living in hiding. So I feel like for Sam to pick that up and to be able to say, you know, you did make a difference. What you did really did contribute to, you know, the success of this. You saved your men. You did a good thing. You know, you deserve to be remembered. You know, someone deserves to know what you did. You know, they might not know the full extent of your sacrifice, and they're definitely not going to know how he struggled, but they can at least, you know, he can at least feel like his whole life wasn't, I don't want to say for nothing, but it that, you know, that it didn't matter. I mean, I see what you're saying, and I agree to a certain extent. I just felt like there was something more. That they could have done something more impactful than a statue in the Smithsonian. It sounds like you just really wanted Steve to come back. Well, I mean, I guess this brings up another point. Supposedly, Chris Evans was supposed to show up in this series, 
in some capacity. Maybe it was a flashback. Maybe it was old Steve. Who knows? We'll never know. We'll never know. But they're blaming it on COVID that that's the reason why they couldn't make it happen. I Again, who knows if that's true or not. But I just feel like if there's anybody who could have understood, well, there's a couple of people who could understand how their life was turned upside down by this. Steve is one of them, and Bucky is one of them. And so obviously Bucky already knew Isaiah, and they had their relationship, and Bucky understood his story. So maybe Steve knew him as well. I don't know. But I also think that Isaiah had obviously built up this wall. You know, would he have treated Captain America with any kind of respect, or would he just have been, you know, somewhat disgusted to be around him? You know, because he basically lived his whole life looking at Steve and thinking, okay, he's just like me, but look, he's up on a pedestal and I'm sitting in a jail cell. And we both tried to do the same thing. So I feel like everything that Sam did and all the conversations that they had to have, I think it had to come from Sam because Isaiah had built it up, rightfully so, in his mind that because of their skin colors, you know, that is what dictated his life. And that, to a certain extent, was definitely true. And I feel like, I just, I don't think Cap talking to Isaiah would have really meant anything to Isaiah. I think more than anything, that scene is the launching pad for Eli. So... They probably, they have to think of a way that's going to solve two things. A, it's going to kind of end Isaiah's story, give him the closure that he needs, but it's also got to be what is going to spark Eli to become the Patriot. And so, yeah, maybe him knowing that his grandfather's story is public and out in the open now, maybe that's what gives him the courage to become the Patriot. And I would be fine with that going forward. What's your third one? So my last thing that I wasn't crazy about was Zemo's pretty abrupt exit. I feel like they could have still used him in those last few episodes. And I understand like the final scene when he was in jail, still pulling the strings. Like I do think, you know, maybe that was pretty significant. But I also, I don't know, I wish that he would have been there throughout the entire thing. I mean, I agree just because selfishly, I want more scenes with Zemo just because I think he's awesome, but I think they had to find a way to get him to the raft, which you did predict. That was like the one thing that you, that we collectively as a team predicted to be true. I'm halfway thinking the Wakandans even said it though. Like we're taking him to the raft. So I don't know. I can't remember if it's a subconscious or a conscious thing, but anyway, I think that maybe, I think that kind of launches this Thunderbolt story going forward. You have Valentina, you also have Zemo, both with access to these villains. Do you think they're working together? Quite possibly. That would be interesting. I would have liked to see that, if that's going to be something to expect. So if you think about some of Valentina's storylines from the comic books, One of them is Madame Hydra. 
Well, obviously, if Zemo is connected to Hydra, and he was part of Hydra, then that could be their connection of how they're working together, and they kind of orchestrated a lot of this to happen. Now, if Zemo really is against Super Serum, I mean, he was very believable that he hated Super Serum. He smashed it. He smashed it, and then he disposed of the others so would that he, he knew of. Would he really want to be associated with John Walker? I don't know. I mean, he probably wouldn't be happy about it. But. I mean, it'd almost be cool if Valentina was building her own team, Zemo was building his own team from villains that are in the raft with him, and then, like, we get craziness ensues. We're here for craziness. We like craziness. But I I mean, yeah, I wish he played a more significant role. But, again, I'm I'm hoping that they had to remove him to get him in place for the next part of his story. Now, I expected them to take him back to Wakanda. That would have been pretty cool. I guess they probably don't want to be around him. Maybe they don't want to have to deal with him. I mean, they so probably I feel wouldn't like have fed him. They probably would have just left him there. Zemo can show up in a variety of different shows going forward or movies. He could be in Black Panther 3 or Black Panther 2, sorry, and 3 if we're looking ahead. Yeah. Captain America and the Winter Soldier, whatever that movie is going to be titled. The fourth one. And then who knows what else? I feel like those are the two obvious ones, but who knows? But And then he could be in the Thunderbolts later on. So what is your last love it? No, hate it. We're doing hate it. Well, no, I'm not doing hate it. I'm saying things that I wish were different. Try not to be so harsh. Okay. Um, this actually has nothing to do with really the show. And it's kind of the discussion we had with WandaVision. Representatives from Marvel, directors, actors, web designers, social media handlers, all of them need to stop trying to plant seeds that aren't going to grow. They did this with WandaVision. They obviously played the weird switcheroo on us with Pietro, with fake Pietro. And uh, they teased Mephisto for so long and yada, yada, yada. That's in the past. I've moved past it. I love WandaVision. I'm very happy with how it ended. But they didn't have to, like, we talked about last time, last week, about they put up this Visit Madripoor website. That's great. Why do you have to put the X-Men references in there? Like, what good does that do other than set suckers like me up to get my hopes up that this is finally the moment that we're breaking open the multiverse? Or not even a multiverse. This is finally the moment that the X-Men and mutants are being introduced into the MCU. It just seems... Like, they go out of their way to build up this hype that they don't need. Like, people are watching that show. Unless it was for the very same reason that you mentioned earlier, that they intend to give us more Madripoor, and they intend to have some of those characters there, and that's their way of subtly giving it to us. Now, maybe the timing was off. Maybe they could have put the Madripoor, visit Madripoor up there, and then snuck that in a few months down the road once they thought everybody forgot about it. Or maybe they need to be a little more subtle 
take some tips from Taylor Swift and not just put their names out there. Why does it always come back to Taylor Swift? Because she does it well. And what you're telling me right now is that you don't think Marvel does it well. So if Marvel needs a lesson in Easter eggs, I know who to point them to. So there's really two things. It's the Madripoor website, and then the director himself said the cameo in episode five is going to blow you away. Nobody was blown away by Valentina showing up. I didn't know who that was. Absolutely nobody. Now, we do now know that she was supposed to make her debut in Black Widow. Black Widow was supposed to come out before this. So we were supposed to already know who she was by the time she walks on screen in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But again, the director knew that we haven't seen Black Widow. Exactly. So I just don't understand why they keep doing this to us. Like, it's better to say nothing than to spew this this non-authentic hype for no reason. Now, I think we learned our lesson for the most part from WandaVision to like stay out of fan theories for the most part. Just Let's just watch the show that they present to us. But when it comes from the director's mouth, and when it comes from a website hosted by Marvel or by Marvel Studios, it's kind of hard to ignore that they're leading us down this path and then they don't give us a reward of a Mystique or of a Wolverine or of a Cyclops or of a Gambit or any of those characters that they keep wanting to tease at us. To be honest, I would not have been excited about a Cyclops, so we could have checked that one off. You would have been. Eh. I don't a know. well-known Cyclops, if it was like a, I can't even think of someone, I was going to say Ryan Reynolds, but he already has a character. If it was like a Zac Efron Cyclops, maybe I'd be excited. I don't, what? what? I'm saying it would have to be someone famous. I'm saying it would have to be someone cool for me to care. I don't oh. just want to, like, even Valentina, I'm sorry, I don't know who, I don't recognize even her claim to fame. Which is really a crime to humanity that you haven't seen Seinfeld. Well, it might be. But there have got to be other people like me who didn't even understand that she has a significant role. It's just weird. It's weird that they keep doing this. It's weird that Elizabeth Olsen told some WandaVision that there was a Luke Skywalker level cameo. And I know her words were taken out of context, but it's just weird that they don't learn their lesson. We are making a vow and making a pact right now. We're not getting trapped in this for Loki. I don't think I need a vow because I feel fine. Well, I don't know. You don't think that eventually this all busts open and eventually we get all these different Marvel characters and we get bleed overs and all this stuff like they keep teasing it to us. I do. But the, the difference is, and like you said, I learned my lesson from WandaVision I was very into the hype, and I don't think it necessarily took away from my overall experience because I do think I was more hyped up about it, but I do think it gave me a heightened expectation that, to be honest, I've never had for Marvel. You know, when we first started this journey together, I was just in it to try to be a supportive spouse and have something in common, and here we are, and I feel like my... Nerd alert. My journey so far has been much more enjoyable that way. Now, learning things is good, but when you start to get into the over prediction, every little detail, 
and then it doesn't happen category, it does take the fun away. I mean, I still had fun. I'd give this series like a uh, eight out of 10. I think WandaVision was like a eight and a half or a nine out of 10. I think it's very good. But there's just a couple things. Just Marvel, if you're listening, when we get to Loki, let's just relax on <laughs> dangling carrots in front of our noses. Let's just relax. Let's just enjoy the show. That's all we need. We just need to enjoy Tom Hiddleston. He's great. Owen Wilson, both great working together. What more could you ask for? I mean, and I guess that kind of wraps it up, doesn't it? Yeah. So any other thoughts or like things? We kind of talked about what we think this means for the future. You think the next time the all these guys show up is in that Captain America movie? I feel like we might see little bits and pieces in other places because that has been a trend throughout Marvel that they show us things before we even truly know what it means. So they might give us little snippets in the form of maybe an end credit. I don't really know what to expect from Black Widow. I don't know if I can expect any of these people uh, even in like some sort of end credit. But I do think looking forward, there will be more. I feel like, especially for Sam, you know, you can't set up this whole backstory and then now give him the title of Captain America and then like have him fade off into the, you know, distance. Well, yeah. I mean, I think he's getting his own titled movie. But we didn't know that originally. Yeah. Any other thoughts? I think that's about it. What was what's your rating of this movie out of ten? Um, I would give it maybe a. I don't know. I was gonna say seven, but there are different parts of it that like I truly loved, like Bucky, ten out of ten. Do you honestly think WandaVision was a ten out of ten? Absolutely. Okay. Bold words. That's fine. By what me. do you think Loki's gonna be? Eleven out of ten. You think it's going to be better in WandaVision? Ooh. It's just the one that we've always been excited for. The moment they told us we were getting a series just about Loki, we were hooked. So maybe that's like the over-anticipation aspect of it, but I just know it has to be good. Well, thank you guys for entertaining us over the last couple weeks and allowing us to talk about Marvel on the podcast a little bit out of our normal comfort zone but hopefully you guys enjoyed it if you're listening to this on release day we will be on tonight on facebook and youtube live at 8 p.m walt disney world time to talk about our may preview of the disney park so hope you can join us then if you want to listen to the audio only version it will be dropping tomorrow so by the time you listen to it good chance it might already be out there for you to listen to so thank you so much for listening i hope you have a wonderful weekend and that's it. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Make sure you subscribe and leave us an iTunes review if you enjoyed the show. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland or visit DetourToNeverland.com. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day. See you real soon. <laughs>